Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Bridge. We see the structure of a bridge as a metaphor that describes various foundational key points we can learn from to strengthen our faith, as well as increase the vision for the call of God in our lives. Also, we'd love to hear how God is bridging your faith. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. We appreciate your generosity this morning and just a wonderful presence of God. Again, we welcome all of you. We're glad you're here, and uh, it's great to be in church on Sunday morning, huh? Tell someone you're in the right place at the right time. That's, that's actually true, and so uh, I'm blessed today to be here. Uh, this morning, we, we're on this series called The Bridge, and since our conference, we decided that we were going to carry on this theme and talk about the bridge, and we've been talking from generation to generation. How do we pass on uh, this legacy of faith, uh, the things of God to the next generation? And let me just describe a bridge to you. Most of us know that a bridge is a structure that's built over a river or over a span of water. It's a structure that provides uh, uh, a way across an obstacle. We understand that. But a bridge is also provides connection, it provides contact, it provides transition from one place to another. You can personally be a bridge from one person to another or to one group or another. And so today I want to talk about how do we pass on this bridge of faith to the next generation, to our children's children? How are we going to be able to accomplish that? And so I'm going to talk a little bit about faith this morning. And really talk about the practicality of faith, because many times we could talk about faith, the miracles of faith, that what we just transpired today with this gentleman getting healed, and the power of faith, and all those things are awesome. But this morning, I want to talk about the practicality of faith, and how do we put faith into action, and what is faith all about anyway. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, I'm going to read that verse of scripture, and then I'm going to pray and believe the Lord to minister to everyone here today. It says this, to have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for and to be certain of the things that we cannot see. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the word of God. We thank you that your word still stands as truth today. And Lord, I pray today that you'll minister to every person in this building Wherever they're at in their life, I pray the word of God would come alive and just would quicken some things in their heart because your word is relevant in 2019. It applies to every part of our life. So, Father, I pray today for the anointing of your spirit as I declare the word of God that your people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and the people said, amen. amen. So perhaps there is no other component in the Christian life that is more important than faith. We can't purchase it. We can't sell it. We can't give it away. We can only live it out. And so faith is the biggest role that plays or that is a part of our Christian life. It's the stability or the support system that makes everything work. Uh, last week I was talking about uh, the San Francisco Bridge, what is it, the Golden Gate Bridge. 
And I was talking about how this Golden Gate Bridge, it's like a mile and a half long. It's just amazing how they made this bridge. I was talking about the foundation of the bridge. Uh, but I was looking into the support of that bridge, and it has two towers. Most of you that have seen it or you've been on it, you notice those two towers and that holds these long cables. And they said those two towers are the main support system to that bridge. If those two towers were to collapse or if there was to be, uh, if they were to be compromised in some way or uh, there was uh, 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 some type of uh, uh, problem with one of the support systems there or that tower, uh, that whole bridge would collapse. It is the support system that holds everything together. And I believe that's the same way when we talk about faith in Christ, it is the support system that holds everything together in our walk with God. There's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God has designed a way to distinguish between those who belong to him and those that don't, and it's called faith. Very simply, it's saying that we need to put our trust and our life and our faith in him alone. And he said, the Bible says that when we do that, uh, we're pleasing him. Without faith, we cannot please him. And so today, what a lot of, our, what a lot of people do in this generation, they talk about faith. They speak about faith, but do they have real faith? Because people today are looking for the real thing. They're looking for something authentic. They're looking for something that is genuine. And Christianity needs to be real, and that's what your family is looking for. They're looking for something real. They want to know your coworkers, your friends. I remember when I gave my life to Christ, many of my friends said, you know, I was just waiting to see if it was a fad. I was waiting to see, you know, I was just waiting to see if it was real. And uh, or whether it was just a moment of time and uh, they were just waiting to see because they want to see something real, something authentic. We live in a day and time where we hear a lot about even fake news. Is, is the news real? Is, the, is what they're saying is real? So I was looking up things that uh, it seems like if you put the word real in front of it, it make, makes it more authentic. They've, they've got a new news network called The Real News Network, so I guess that's real news, I guess. Uh, they say that if you put the word real in front of something, that it sells more. Real coffee. Real leather. Not pleather, right? Real leather. Uh, the TV show that used to be out, uh, Real TV, I guess that uh, the other stuff is fake. Uh, when I grew up, they used to say Coke is the real thing. You remember that? The best of you are saying, what are you talking about? But... It was the real thing, man. It's the, they had a song. Anyway, the real thing. And then, uh, and so all of this was talking about something real. And it is addressed in Scripture, when faith is real, there is some substance to it. You'll be able to see it, and you'll be able to look at it and identify it as something authentic. In the book of James, which we're going to turn to in just a moment, James uses or he talks about what real faith looks like. In other words, if you have faith in your life, people will be able to see it. There'll be a difference between you and other people. There's a difference between a real Christian and a counterfeit Christian. 
between authentic believers and fake believers. So James says in James chapter 2, verse 17, he says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works or deeds, it is dead. Now, this scripture that I just read to you is probably one of the most controversial scriptures in the book of James because many times people take this wrong. There's a lot of cults that have come to your door and say that in order to get to heaven, you got to work your way there. You got to do so many hours. You got to do so many things in order, in order to get there. And so I want to show you through scripture that that is not true. We know in scripture that one is saved by faith alone. In other words, we are saved by grace through faith. We understand that. So when we talk about faith and works and we talk about faith alone, uh, it may sound like a contradiction. And I want to kind of lay down a little bit of foundation to let you understand the difference between faith alone and faith with works. How do they even come together? Paul the Apostle in the book of Ephesians, and I'll read the scripture in just a moment, but what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest anyone should boast. So he says, well, you're not saved by works. And then James the Apostle says, or, or James says, faith without works is dead. So which one is it? When Paul begins to talk about works, he said, you're saved by grace through faith and not of work. What he's talking about is legalism. What he's talking about is keeping all the Jewish and ceremonial laws. He says, no matter how many ceremonial laws you have and how many Jewish laws you try to keep, that is not going to save you. James is talking about, he's fighting not legalism, but, but laxity or basically slackness. He's saying that just because you say you have faith doesn't mean you have faith. Because there's a lot of people that say, well, it doesn't matter how I live. doesn't matter how I believe or what I do as long as I believe and, and it doesn't matter what I do. And, and, and James is saying, wait a minute. There needs to be a life that backs up your faith. In fact, your life will verify your faith. So both of them, the law or legalism and laxity are a hindrance to faith. James is not fighting the law, again, but he's fighting laxity or he's fighting this slackness. And there's two different places here that James and Paul are talking about. James is talking about lifestyle. In other words, that faith without works is dead. In other words, your life has to back it up. Paul is talking about, again, legalism, circumcision. You have to be circumcised. And imagine some of you men would have a problem with that today. So all of those things. Paul is focusing. Listen to me. I'm just laying a foundation. Paul is focusing on the root of salvation. The root of your salvation is based on faith. But the fruit of your salvation, are you hearing me? People can see it on the outside. Paul's talking about when you have faith in God, you, you're, you're saved on the inside. And, and, and James is talking about when it's on the inside, it shows on the outside. So when Paul talks about faith, he says, this is how you know you're a Christian. When James talks about faith, this is how you show you're a Christian. So there's two things when you have faith in Christ. You have to know and you've got to show. You like that? You know and you show, right? 
I'm a poet and didn't even know it. So, so no, I didn't show it, right? So we got to be able to do that. These two, two work together. They're not contradicting one another. In fact, in fact, Jesus said, he said, by their fruits, you're going to know them. So Paul is talking about faith alone, how to become a believer. And James talks about how to behave like a believer. So if you're going to be a Christian, you got to know you're a believer by faith. But also, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to behave like one. People got to be able to see that you're a Christian. There's got to be a difference in your life. So let me read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. This is how Paul phrases it. He says, for it is by God's grace that you've been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift that no one can boast. We know it's not works. We know none of those things. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared ahead of time that what? We should walk in them. So when you're saved and you're saved by grace through faith in Christ, then automatically the fruit of your salvation should produce good works. In other words, this morning when you have Christ in your life, the fruit of your life should be good works, and you should be walking in them. People should be able to see the fruit. They should be able to see what's on the outside or what's in the inside is on the outside. Does that make sense to you? When we mix it all together or we mix it up, we, we have a problem. It says you're saved by grace through faith to good works, for good works. You can't say for good works and then faith. In other words, it takes faith, it takes grace, faith, and good works to prove or to show or demonstrate your real Christianity this morning. So a couple of things I want to talk about when I talk about real faith, if we're going to build this bridge, this support system, and we're supposed to get other or impart that into the next generation, we need to live out genuine faith. So if you're taking notes today, real faith is not just what you say. How many know there's a lot of talk? Talk is cheap. You ever heard that? Talk is cheap. Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor don't say it. Show it. You better show it, buddy. There it is. Real faith is not something you say, not something you talk about. It's something you live, something you show. Look at what he says in verse 14 of James chapter 2. It says, what good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? What's he talking about? Has no works. In other words, there's no works to back it up. Can such faith save him? So he's basically saying there's a man that's claiming to have this faith, claiming to say all of this, but he has no works. His life doesn't back up. There's no proof of that salvation, of that faith in his life. They did a survey, and they found that Americans claim, 50 million Americans claim to be born again. But how many know it's hard to see the lifestyle? Where is it at? You claim salvation. You claim to be born again. Today, we label people as the Christian as long as they say, praise the Lord. Or they post something on Facebook, or they have a picture of Jesus or a crucifix. I'm a Christian. Uh, all that you you could say a lot of stuff, and all these different things. But unless you're living for God and it's demonstrated, it doesn't mean much. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
but the one who does what? The will of my Father who is in heaven. So there has to be action, evidence behind that faith. If that faith is real, evidence will prove it. Am I right? This is what James is saying, that when you have genuine faith, it, could, it will show it. You just won't know it, but it will show it. And other people will be able to verify that. Not everybody that had the Christian bumper sticker is a believer. Am I right? There's a lot of people there. Not everyone who's a professor of Christianity is a possessor of Christianity. There are a lot of people this morning that can talk about all these things, but how valuable is their faith? Not by what they say, but how they live. Years ago, I remember a number of years ago, there was this publisher. Uh, he published pornography. I'm not even going to give you the name of the magazine, okay? But anyway, he was a big publisher, pornography, and he claimed to be born again. And I remember that he came out on Christian t t television saying, I'm born again. I, I found Christ. And they interviewed him. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, I thought, wow, this is powerful testimony. This guy gave his life to Christ. But the thing about it, when I begin to look at the fruit of his salvation, he didn't stop printing pornography. He continued to make money and promote pornography. And I said, well, that says a lot about his faith. Can you say amen? James is saying that real faith is not something you say. It's something that could be seen. If we're going to impart into the next generation, this generation is looking for something authentic. They're looking for something real. And can I tell you something? They can smell a phony real quick. This generation goes, this is phony? Oh, man, this ain't true. Are you hearing me? They, they, this generation, they can tell. And so if you're going to be a Christian, if you're claiming Christianity, then you can't just say it. You need to show it. Number two, are you ready for this? Are you sure? Some of you are saying, oh, no. You mean there's more to this? Yes. Real faith is not just something you feel. Now, I will say this. It does feel good to be a Christian, but it's more than an emotion. It's more than a great feeling. A lot of people confuse emotion and sentiment with faith. They think, well, I feel good, I feel emotional, I feel this touch, and those things are great. And Christianity can produce good feelings and good emotion, but our walk with God is not based on emotion. Our walk with God is not based on how you feel. I mean, you can come to church and feel that quiver in your liver. I mean, you can feel the goosebumps bumps and all that stuff. I mean, all those things are good. I'm not against that. I mean, I feel good, but, but my walk with God is not based on that because I'm going to know when the trials come and the battles come, uh, the goosebumps are going to go away, and it's your faith that's going to stay intact. And if it's not real, you're not going to last. And a lot of people say, well, I come to church to feel good. I'm not a drug pusher. Let me just tell you that right now. Not, I'm not trying to make you feel good. I mean, you know, you know if you feel good, good, but that's not my mission. My mission is to tell you the truth so that you can live for God, that it will support you the rest of the week and months and years to come. So we're, we're not just trying to push a feel-good gospel. That's not going to last for you. I can tell you that right now. And this is what James said when he talks about putting your faith into action. Verse 15, he says, suppose the brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to him, go, I wish you well fed. 
but does nothing about his physical need, need, what good is it? So he's illustrating that with faith. In other words, faith needs to have action. It would be like you see someone in need and just say, go in peace. Be fed. And when you, you had food, but you gave them none. What good is that? I, I remember watching or, or looking at a, I remember the, the peanut cartoon, you know, Charlie Brown. Yeah, some of you guys, okay, anyway. I'm telling you, man, this generation. But anyway, that was, that was the best stuff in the world, you know. But, but they, they had a cartoon. I looked it up yesterday on the Internet. They actually still had it because I remembered it. It was, it was a picture of Charlie Brown and Linus, and they're all bundled up. It, it's cold. It's wintry. And you could tell they have their hats on, and they see poor little Snoopy, and he's freezing. He's cold. And they say, look at Snoopy. He's cold. He goes, we better go over there and comfort him. So they go over to Snoopy. Snoopy looks up at them really hopeful, and they say, be of good cheer. (laughs) And they walk away, and Snoopy looks at them with a question mark, like, what good was that? That's kind of what faith is when you have no action behind it. What good is it? I mean, if you went outside today in the parking lot and you were getting in your car and God forbid you slammed your hand, uh, your door on your hand and you're trying to get the door open and I walked by and I seen you and I said, man, I feel you, bro. I feel you. I feel you, man. And kept walking. What good is that? You feel me, but you didn't help me. You didn't do anything. Bro, I feel you, man. Mm, mm. Wow. Hope you get better. That's not going to work. Real faith needs more than emotion and sympathy. It needs demonstration. It needs some initiative. Can you say amen? In fact, the Bible talks about in 1 John 3.17, if anyone has material possession and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be on him? In other words, real faith is generous. You're willing to help someone. You put it into action. Like three or four weeks ago, I talked about generosity. Did it change you? Did you become more generous? Did you put that faith into action? So these are the things that the scripture is really trying to define. What James is trying to say is when you have real faith, it is demonstrated. It is more than just being verbalized. You're beginning to practice it. People can see it in your life, and they see that the action is behind it. Verse 17 of James 2, 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. It's dead. It's not real faith. Number three, are you ready for this? Real faith is not just something you think. It's not just here. It needs to be deep in here. A lot of times we think, well, you know, intellectually I understand faith. I can debate it. We see a lot of people debating about faith on Facebook. I go, a bunch of baloney, man. And just all these guys talking about all, debating all this stuff. And, and, And I like the way James settles the whole argument. In James chapter 2, verse 18, it says, someone will say, you have faith. He says, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. So real faith is visible. It's not something mentally, you say, something intellectually. In other words, it's visible, not something you think. People should be able to see it. 
You can't be a secret agent Christian, okay? You people ought to see that you you are Christian. They ought to they ought to see by your, the fruit of your life. It's visible. It, it it's the fruit of who you are, and faith is, is is something that people should be able to see. Now, a lot of us say, "Well, faith is well, you can't see faith." And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: It says faith is like calories. How many are familiar with calories? You can't see them, but you can sure see the results. You can't see faith, but you can see the results of faith. People should be, oh, somebody say amen. Uh, somebody, you ought to be able to see it in your life. Show me your faith. That's what James is saying. Show me your faith. Remember the, the Jerry Maguire? Show me the money. Show me your faith. Let me see. Where is the faith at? Where is it at? It should be evidence in your life. The Sunday school kids used to always sing this. My kids used to sing it in Sunday school. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hand. Oh, yeah, there you go. But there's a chorus to that that says, if you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. All right, there you go. Wow, you guys are paying attention. See, so here's the thing. The evidence of faith in your life should be a changed life, should be a transformation. If you gave your life to Christ and you're still the same way, then I would have to question your faith. That's what James is saying. Show me your faith, and I'll show you my faith with my deeds. I'll show you my faith. I'll show, not only tell you about faith, but I'm going to show you by my word. This is what Paul the Apostle says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Say new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Another translation says whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared a new way of living has come into existence. In other words, you should be a new person. When your faith is real, there should be evidence of a changed life. If you're still talking the same, if you're still doing the same old thing, going the same old places, living the same old way, still have the same old habits, then your faith is in question today. Because I'm going to tell you, when Christ is really, really in your life and your faith is real, <laughs> excuse me, it's evident. How many know if you grab a 220-volt wire, you're going to know it? Am I right? How is it that somebody as big as God can enter into your life and not change you? How is that? How is it possible that someone as big as who God is can come in your life and not change you? Your faith is in question. Because let me just tell you today, if faith is real, people will see it. I remember when I first became a Christian, I remember watching this program, and I was really challenged by what it said. And, and, and it would come out, I don't know if it's even out anymore, but it was called Evidence. And they'd go, Evidence, Evidence. And I remember they'd come out. And, and then they said, if you, were, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would people be able to say, oh, yeah, he's the Christian? Or people at work say, I didn't even know you were the Christian. I didn't even know. Well, really? Man, I didn't even know you went to church. I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell the difference. 
See, would there be enough evidence if Christianity was the crime and they arrested you, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Real faith always produces change. Did you hear me? It always produces change. Number four, are you ready for this? Real faith is not just something you believe. See, we think as long as we believe, we're okay. As long as we just believe in God, that's okay. Look at what James says. Man, James is hard, man. It's not me, guys. Let's blame James right here. James chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe and shudder. So he says, yeah, good. I'm glad you believe. But even the devils believe in, in, in God. That, that doesn't qualify you to be saved. doesn't qualify you any different because the demons believe just, just as well. In fact, the devil believes more in God than some of us do. Remember, the devil was in the presence of God. The devil understands who God is. He doesn't serve God. He doesn't surrender his life to God. But a lot of us this morning, we think, man, I, I, I can recite all these prayers. I, I, I wear a, a crucifix. I have a picture of Jesus in my vehicle. It's me and Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel, all these different things. I'm here to tell you today, big deal. That's what James is saying, big deal. Aren't you special? He said, man, uh, he's saying, you know what? Show me your faith. That's what, that's, I mean, James is really getting down to it. The Bible said the fool in his heart said there is no God. We know that. But the devil is not even foolish enough to say that there is no God. The devil knows there's a God. In fact, the devil's a better theologian than you and I are. He knows more about the Bible than we do. He knows it backwards and forwards. He knows all of that. In fact, the Bible says the devil believes or the demons believe in tremble. Really, that word tremble means bristles, like hair stands up on their ends. You ever watch the movie and all of a sudden your hair is bald? That's how it is. They believe so much in God that they tremble, the hair stand up in back of their neck. And I'm here to tell you, it's going to be more than just believing. There's hundreds of people that believe in God, but none of them put their faith and trust to the point that their life changes and is transformed. See, let me just say this to you. How many understand that there was a Hitler? How many believe in a Hitler? We all believe in a Hitler. But that doesn't make you a Nazi. Just because you believe in something that you believe it existed. No, we don't trust in Hitler. We don't do all that. So when you believe in Christ, millions of people believe in Christ. But have you surrendered your life to him to the point that there's a lifestyle change? That's when the faith becomes real. But if you're the same old sourpuss guy and all that stuff guy, you know what I'm saying? There's no change in your life. Then your faith isn't that real. That's what James is saying. The evidence of your faith should show it. Can you say amen? Amen. And I'm going to do this last one here. Real faith is something you do. It's something you put your whole weight on. Are you listening to me? You're willing to put your entire weight on it, your entire life. You're willing to trust in it fully to the point that your life is changed and your life is transformed. So I need a volunteer. Can I have anybody here? I need one volunteer here. Okay, come on up. She's going to come up. Now, come over here. Stand here. I'm going to have you sit on one of these chairs. Okay? Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. 
But before you do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, one of those chairs, though, had the bad leg on it. Okay, don't look back. That, yeah, you're almost going to sit over there in a moment. <clears throat> and I'm going to try guiding you in what chair to sit on. But just offhand, what chair would you pick, would you sit on? Okay, go ahead. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just kidding you. If you'll trust me, you'll sit on that chair and put your entire weight. Do you trust me? You do? The other guy in the other service, man, he wouldn't trust me. <laughs> yeah. The other guy, Carlos, you know Carlos anyway. <clears throat> I had to convince him. I go, I'm the pastor. You don't trust me. I mean, <clears throat> we're in trouble here today. So you trust me yes. that you'll sit in that chair and nothing's going to happen to you. Go ahead. All right. Look at that. Thank you very much. You can go back down. Give her a big hand. Now, here's what I want to show you. Had she sat on this chair, that's what would have happened there. She would have put her weight on the wrong chair, right? She would put her weight, her weight on the wrong place. Yeah, I'm glad that leg didn't pop up and hit me. <laughs> That's what I told the guys. That better be careful that thing don't pop up. I'll be bleeding preaching. But that's what happens this morning when we put our weight and our faith in the wrong place. And God is saying, if you really trust him, then you'll put all of your weight in him. All of it fully. To the point that his, your life will change. Your life will be transformed. In other words, faith is active. It's not passive. There's the commitment. It's lived out. So I'm going to give you two illustrations of two different people, extremely different, but yet they had one thing in common, and that was faith. Two people in Scripture. One was by the name of Abraham. Another was by the name of Rahab. Abraham, of course, was the man. And Rahab, of course, was a woman. Abraham was a patriarch. In other words, he was the founding father. He was uh, the elder. That's what they call a patriarch. Rahab uh, was not a patriarch. She was a prostitute. If you read the scripture, you'll find that Rahab uh, was not a patriarch, patriarch, a patriarch at all, but she was a prostitute. And then you look at Rahab. Abraham was Jewish. And Rahab was a Gentile. She was non-Jewish. So there's two extreme difference between the two that the scripture talks about. One thing that they had in common was the fact that they had faith. Abraham was a somebody. Rahab was a nobody. Abraham was a major character in the Bible. And Rahab was a minor character in the Bible. And so I want to use these two uh, illustration to these two people of faith as James does in James chapter 2 verse 21 it says the word verse 20 it says was not Abraham our father justified by work when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And what? He was called a friend of God. 
you see a person, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In other words, that works basically proves his faith. In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So we can talk about all the great faith that we have, but unless it is proven, unless it is demonstrated in your life, your faith isn't real. It's dead. This is exactly what James is saying, that our faith should be backed up by our life and our action. Now, I want you to think about Abraham, why they're using Abraham as an illustration of one that proved his faith by what he did. We know the story. The Bible said that Abraham had been praying for a son, and, of course, his wife couldn't get pregnant. He was already older, and yet, miraculously, his wife got pregnant, and now they have their only son named Isaac. And the Bible said that God speaks to Abraham, and he said, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to take him up on that mountain. I want you to put him on the altar, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. I don't know about you, but I'd be saying, God, what are you talking about, man? I'm not going to do that. But the Bible says Abraham, by faith, did exactly what God told him. He put his faith in action and trust in God. He took his son, listen to me, only son that he'd been praying for. It's a miraculous son. He's walking with him. And they get to the mountain along with all the other servants that are there. And Abraham turned to the servants and he said, me and my son are going to go up this mountain and we're going to go worship and we will return. Abraham was speaking in faith. He was trusting God that when he sacrificed his son, that his son would be risen back to life and he would return. That's how much faith this man had. I don't know how far I would have took it, but the Bible says he bound up his son. He tied him up. He had fire on the altar. He's laying his son there, and he's about to kill him. And God says, okay, that's it. Now I know. In other words, you've proven your faith in me, that you were willing in your heart. You already were going to kill your son. You were going to believe. He goes, now I know. It's proven. See, he proved his faith in God. It wasn't just talk. And God said, he honored that faith because it was back with his works. Then it talks about a woman by the name of Rahab, and she's the prostitute in the city of Jericho. And in that story, you can read it in Joshua chapter 2, the Bible said that the spies come into the city, from uh, the, the Jewish spies come in to look at the city because they're going to conquer this city, and they want to look inside of it. And as they're in there, a couple of these spies are there. They're spying it out. They're found out. Somebody revealed that these guys are, are spies. And the Bible says they end up at Rahab, the prostitute's house. I always wonder how they know she, where she lived. But anyway, they get there. It was, I was wondering, she's like, how they know where the prostitute was, you know? Man, anyway, what was on their mind? No, that wasn't what's happening. Probably a lot of travelers through there knew. Anyway, <clears throat> that's not the point of the story, right? The Bible says they get there and she hides them and she hides them on the roof of her house 
And then she goes talk to them after because they come looking for them. The soldiers come say, hey, are they here? She goes, oh, no, they're not here. She sends them off on this wild goose chase. And she goes to talk to the men. She goes, I know who you are. And I know who your God is. And because I've helped you today, I need your help. She said, when you come take over the city, I'm going to bring all my family and all my relatives here. And you're not going to kill us because we helped you. And we fear the same God that you fear. She put her faith in action by hiding the spies. You see what I'm saying? Bible said the course that God honored it when they came and conquered the city. This woman and all her family were saved. And here's the crazy thing about Rahab. She ends up in the lineage, the family line of Jesus. Do you realize the family line of Jesus has a prostitute in it? Yes, it does. Read the scripture. And yet the Bible says she is looked at as one of the women of faith in scripture. So when we look at the Bible, God is saying, put your money where your mouth is. Can you say amen? In other words, let's, let's see some action behind it. Let's see a lifestyle change behind it. Uh, and many times this morning, we, we think about faith and we think it's just something in our mind. We think it's just something that's reserved. No, faith needs to be proven and it will be shown and it will be visible. Amen. So the Bible talks about uh, one other scripture that I want to read. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. So in other words, we need to take an inventory today. Ask yourself, am I really a Christian? What changes can, point that, can I point to in my life? Is my lifestyle any different than from those that are unbelievers? He's saying demonstrate it. There ought to be a demonstration of your life change and your life transformed. Our faith is not determined by what we do, but it's demonstrated by what we do. People should be able to see a difference in your life. They should be able to see that there's a life change. Because in the end today, God is going to look at not only our hearts, not only our lives, but he's going to see the fruit of your life today. If we're going to reach this world, if we're going to be a bridge, people need to see a difference in you. Not only here in the church, but in your community, at your job, in your family. If we're going to win more people to Christ, people need to see the difference in your life. That is going to be evidence of your faith. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.